Welcome to the Level Up Podcast. I'm Wade Reed. I'm Aaron Pescucci. And we've got a really special episode uh, for you. Our producer, Chris Lindstrom of Food About Town, Lunch Door Podcast, Nominate Meals fame, has graced us with a coffee liqueur experiment. Hello. And we're going to taste through it, and we're going to talk about what we like, hopefully just what we like, right? I mean, we're going to find out. <laughs> to be honest, I tasted them I tasted them during the process, but yeah. today when I was taking them out was the first time I tasted them since I pulled them from the infusion process. Okay, sweet. So um, I'm excited because these are they're all three with really different methods. We're going to let Chris explain them as we go, as we taste them. And then it's just Aaron and I from our, I mean, we don't even have probably as much tasting expertise as you do anymore. You know, honestly, like, cause you're, I don't have any certifications anymore. You do as far as spirits. So can you explain your spirit certification just to give everyone a little bit of background on that? Sure. Yeah. So, um, first and foremost, I'm a food and beverage nerd. That's how I go into everything that I do. Um, you know, uh, knowing uh, Aaron and Wade from my time, many hours spent at Joe Bean Coffee, uh, the old university location back in, in the another day. another life, yeah. In the day. So many years ago. Um, but it's because I am I'm drawn to people who have to do what they're doing because they can't, they have to do the thing and they care so much about it. Um, and that extends to basically everything, food and beverage, whether it be coffee, beer, wine, or spirits. Um, so... You know, coffee was the first thing, serious beverage that I got into. Oh, um, really? Yeah, it was. I don't think I realized that. No, I, I didn't drink until um, uh, the Joe Bean team was bad influences. Oh on gosh, me. I remember was that, that now. Is that drink coffee or drink alcohol um, at that point? I had I had just started drinking alcohol while I was it was at Joe Bean. I think was my second drink ever. First really? or second yeah. drink ever. I vaguely remember this now. That's, wow, that's all kind of lost to time for now, me. That's right? yeah, yeah. Is this young Chris or is this Chris was older and decided to? No, dive I was. In? Geez, I was. I think my first full drink was at thirty. Oh, yeah, cool. something cool. like that. Yeah, and just um, for whatever reason, never gotten into it before. Yeah, and it, there was some interesting beer selection and. Probably yes. much rarer stuff coming into this market through Joe Bean at that time. Shout out to Jim Lake. Oh, uh, Jim all Lake the hard the lo- hard work that he did and all the collaboration, all the just getting to know the different distributors and bringing in some really cool stuff at the time. So I have to that say, honestly was a cool time to get into. It was a great special. time at Joe Bean. I didn't drink beer until Jim Lake had brought in some of that stuff. Yeah. Because my experience was like Coors Light, Miller Light, all those standards. I was like, not wasting my time with this. Yeah, shout out to Jim Lake. Uh, can he build it? Yes, he can. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, I spent a lot of time learning coffee. You know, I'd get gotten into it a little bit, but that was my first foray into serious coffee, um, but then got me into serious beer, and then I started tasting wine, getting into the local wine scene, and then, um, obviously, as progression goes, getting into spirits, which is intense and challenging and wide-ranging, so that was very appealing to me because I love challenging and I love stuff that's hard to get through and hard to parse. Um, and I got some, you know, uh, the first people I interviewed in that scene were, um, was Jason Barrett from black button distilling. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. Shout out to the new location over oh, on university. Ave. It's that looks serious. Um, that yeah, looks serious. They're amazing. We're starting to do our nominate events. there coming up as well, which oh, is sweet. Just fantastic. Uh, great plug, great plug. So now, good, plug and so nominate good. already. Do we even have to add in like the ad? <laughs> this this recording session, we've already done it. It's going to be nominate meals, it. black button. It's going to be so many. Fatty Beer Co. All um, of them. <laughs> so um, I interviewed him during uh, well during construction of the original location. So I put a microphone on a forklift, and we talked around that microphone. That's that's how early it was in my process. That's over on railroad. Yeah. Okay. I've, yeah. Wow. Wow, wow. And I've known Jason for that long, but I didn't drink when I, st- I think I just started when I talked to him. Um, and as I got more serious into it, I think either him or someone else I knew recommended me to do spirit judging. Um, and then the terrible influences of Chris Carlson, the most interesting man in Rochester, um, <laughs> who helped me learn how to taste better and offered me his entire library to taste at any time I wanted. Um, and now uh, my certification is from the WSET 
uh, Wine and Spirits Education Trust out of the UK. Uh, I got my level two um, spirit certification uh, in 2021. Uh, uh, that was uh, award with excellence, if I remember Ooh, correctly. Heck yeah. So that was... Graduated cum laude. So much fun. Uh, it, you know, I was at home a lot, so I spent some time taking that exam during the summer. Yeah, that's great. Um, did it remote, and I've done spirit judging now for, I think, four or five years. Uh, usually a couple competitions a year trying to expand that. So that's uh, blind tasting in competitions where we'll get an evaluation sheet, and we'll get to... Uh, evaluate a uh, whole different ranges of spirits. Usually we'll taste about 50 or 60 samples a day. Have um, you done any competitions lately or? Yeah, the last one I did, I think was a couple months ago here in Rochester. And that's through the Raise a Glass Foundation. Uh, they do a beer, cider and wine competition as well. Um, all of them pretty well regarded. They're run expertly and professionally. They're beautiful events. Then I also did one uh, locally with, um, with Camp Good Days. Oh, really? Uh, that uh, Bob Medill runs. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that was, they do a wine one, and then Spirit one is separate because they don't uh, let us pollute the wine judge pool <laughs> with our nonsense. Um, wow. So, anyways, Some that's my, that's my, that's <laughs> my path say. into Spirits, but um, the interesting thing is coffee liqueurs, generally speaking, I hate. No. Um, I'm trying to think of the ones I like to try to like offer another opinion, but I'm not entirely sure that I like them or they're just not, like I've had enough the of them Yeah, that by the end I don't remember whether I hate them or not. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, at the end of this, so I've got three different samples today, but I'll grab one off the shelf. I only have one on the shelf that I bought that I actually kind of liked. Yeah. Um. And it's no no shade on the producer. I love what the producer does. It's just generally I don't like them because generally the coffee that they use is bad. Yeah, it. I mean, it doesn't. I do feel agree like... with this, though. I I have to say I am I'm partial to them. Yeah, well, it's it's a very specific taste, right? It's not it's not the defined specialty taste that I think no. we all love. I mean, generally the expression you get out of these is very dark, often very green peppery. Um, oh yeah, I mean that's a defect that's really hard to like stave off in any kind of alcohol application with coffee. So, having done a lot of coffee beers, I I mean like I'm always worried about the green pepper thing. So. Huh. Yeah, and I'm I'm really interested to see how all these turned out. So, um, yeah, that that's my background in spirits and coffee. Um, but what I want to do is go through a little bit of how I went into this because having tasted a lot of these, I've never made one before. So this was a New experiment for me. These were all one take. I didn't do multiple tries on anything. So this was one take based on research. Um, I'm a nerd. I am a researcher. So I looked at every recipe I could find. And generally speaking, I was dissatisfied with what I could find online. Yeah. Uh, most of the recipes were based on instant coffee. Ooh. Um, or specifically, um, you know, cold brew. Yeah. Um, which I did make one with cold brew uh, because I'm trying three different things. So I was pretty dissatisfied with the recipes. Either they were way too sweetened. They were, you know, aged for weeks with the beans yeah. on them. Interesting. And I'm like, this doesn't seem like it's going to make the best product possible. So I took some hints from them and then went down my own direction. And I kind of just tasted as it went to see if it was going to get over extracted or not. Yeah. I'd, All right. I, I feel like the popular perception of coffee liqueurs is that you're probably dealing with when you're looking up these recipes. It, it probably centers more on like a notion of coffee. That's like, doesn't really matter what it tastes like, or maybe they don't even have a sense of the flavor potential of coffee. Yeah, They're just sure. going to throw out like, what's the boldest, whatever that word means well, thing I can get, or, you know, I, we can sweeten it up till it tastes good. And it's like, there's a lot going on in these coffees. Like Seems they're gaming for that generic coffee flavor. All the time. Right. And there are, I was thinking, there are a few people who are trying to bring up that specialty yep. recently. I don't know how successful they're doing, but, you know, there's been a lot that I've wandered through, you know, at your liquor store that they'll specify certain things now. 
you know, you'll see something mentioned single origin or something like that. They'll throw out those buzzwords. Yeah, there's a few on the market that do that. And I'll say um, generally the most well-respected and highest regarded is Mr. Black out of Australia. Yeah. So that was one of the ones that came to mind when you're saying, you know, you don't like most of them. I like my last encounter with Mr. Black was such that I don't remember if I like it. Yeah, that's fair. That's the problem. Like a lot of it just went down. Yeah. That's all I remember. <laughs> it, it's it's very nice. They do have some single origin stuff. Cool. So it's a place that's pretty well regarded. I've had it. I don't dislike it. It tends to run a little darker than my preference uh, because I was polluted by uh, the zealotry of, of Wade Reed and yeah, others. We are. <laughs> We're serious here. <laughs> If you want to learn all about the diverse foods of Rochester and Buffalo and don't want to do the work, Nominate is made for you. Nominate runs events where you order a meal that feeds two people, packaged to go for $40, but the twist is you have no idea what you're getting until you pick it up. Each meal comes from one typically small minority-owned restaurant. We work with them to select dishes that best represent their cuisine and make sure you have a fun experience. We host events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer in Rochester in the neighborhood of play, the new home of Black Button Distilling on University Avenue, and in Buffalo at the fantastic Nowhere Lounge located in the heart of Kenmore. Drink pairings are available for sale at each event that work well with the food. Follow us on social media at Nominate Meals and go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event. Join the nomination! Um, so you know what we're going to do? Let's go ahead and taste the first one. Cool. Uh, so start smelling it. Uh, we are all smelling out of, um, similar glassware. Uh, Wade and Aaron are, uh, are tasting out of Glencairn glasses. I typically like to standardize, but because we have nine samples, um, so I'm in different glassware, but, uh, they're tasting out of the same ones. So today, uh, the first one is, uh, this one is a straight infusion into, um, into vodka. So let me set the baseline for everything. So I used um, mid-quality vodka for every uh, infusion. I used the same one to make sure. So this is uh, Tito's based because I had okay. a whole bottle of it and nice. I would never drink it on purpose uh, okay. because it's it has no... Care. Really not angling for that Tito sponsorship. No. Huh? Oh, I, all right, I'm gonna, okay. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say probably not going to happen. What celebrity me. owns Tito's? We'll apologize later. Uh, Bill, Bill Tito, I'm there sure. Or Tito Santana. Bill Tito. <laughs> um, so use Tito's because it is fairly neutral. It um, As its own spirit, it tastes a little bit sweet and has a little vanilla character. Yep. So, um, which is why a lot of people like it because it's it has that profile. Um, so... Uh, every one of the uh, coffee bases was sweetened to approximately the same concentration of sweetness. Um, I did make my own syrup for this. Uh, this is one I made over the summer, which was a uh, homemade dandelion flower syrup. Yeah. Oh, okay. That sounds so, cool. So I took dandelion flowers, uh, cooked those down into approximately a two-to-one syrup, um, and then I did equalize that syrup with some vodka in it as well to stabilize it so it doesn't mold. Great. So there's okay. a little bit in there, but you don't taste it. It's not percentage-wise a lot. So um, basically the amount of sweetener is approximately two tablespoons per 200 milliliters of the base. So if it was a 200 mil base, there's two tablespoons. If it ended up being a 400 milliliter base, it's uh, four tablespoons. Got it. All so right. the concentration of sweetness should be the same in all of them, which lets us at least – I didn't want to leave it unsweetened. Because I don't sure, think sure. that's really appropriate. But the level of sweetness all the recipes were pushing to was like 3x what I put in. Some of them were a one-to-one sugar to liquid. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Like, that sounds terrible. So I went to what I would prefer. Yeah. So again, this is where I started to customize where things went. So this first one is um, a 10-to-1 vodka to mid-fine ground coffee. And that's uh, on my, you know, when I'm doing like a concentrate for... Um, pouring over ice, this is the level of grind I'm using for that. Okay, great. Yeah. So that's about, uh, on my uh, fellow ode, about a four, and I might do brewed coffee at about a five or a five, five and a quarter. Yeah, so getting a little bit finer yeah. then? Okay. Yeah, so yeah, just yeah. a little yeah. bit finer because I wanted it to be quicker. So this was about 20 hours infusion at room temp. 
Got it. So I didn't put it in the fridge. This was room temp infusion. So what are we getting on the nose? Oh, actually, before we go in, um, can you tell the people about what coffee this was? This was your coffee. Yeah, I love this coffee. It's actually got a kind of funny story, so I'm just going to detour for a second and tell this story. Uh, so this coffee is called Nguvu, and it is a, it is a regional blend by a certain number of growers. I think it's about 50 growers in uh, the Marangaa village of Kenya. And it's really interesting because a couple things happened that led to me buying this coffee. Uh, first, I got a Christmas gift from one of my importers and it was uh, from this same village and um, it was roasted by them and they sent it to me and I like hated it, despised it, couldn't oh, no. drink it um, and <laughs> gave it to someone else who also knew the roaster and apparently knowing the roaster made it taste better. I don't know. It was Great. fine. Nice. Uh, you know, that person loved it. So I re-gifted my Christmas gift from the importer um, and then my broker from the same importer sends me two green samples. Ooh. One of them I recognized. I was like, oh, it's that coffee. So this will be interesting. And the other one is this uh, Nguvu AA. The difference between the two lots, this is really interesting to me, was that the importer, like their in-country people, had blended one lot, and they called it their Pace lot, or NKG lot, NKGs, like their parent company, Anyway, they had like blended it themselves and they're like, this is like the best expression of this coffee. And the double A lot was what the um, sorting station that all these growers sell at had um, sorted themselves. Like it was the lot they'd separated themselves. Well, like I'm a firm believer after experiences, having experience after experience like this, that anytime someone goes over there and tries to do it better than they're doing it there, they're just going to miss. For sure. Because I could not stand the lot that NKG put together, and this double-A lot that the growers put together was beautiful, and that's the coffee that, that that is in here. It is so expressive. You get all kinds of florals when it when it roasts just right. You get a really bright lemony, lemony note to it. Um, I've Anyone who's like, well, I don't know about Kenya is like, this is the coffee. I'm like... This will sell you on Kenya's because you need to get the ones that are just like the in-country people going, this is what we want it to taste like, and actually making their way through the supply chain. So uh, that's what I love. It's called Nguvu AA. You can find it at aporiacoffee.com. Another plug. We're just all plugs tonight. Yeah. They're just going to plug and plug and plug. <laughs> Coffee roaster stories. <laughs> oh, dear. Exactly. Um, they um, haven't even started drinking yet, guys. Right. So this... Um, That's why you got to start singing first. <laughs> yeah. Right? So this is uh, this is a coffee I'd have brewed at home, so I brewed a lot of this as well. I uh, really enjoyed it. So what I'm, what I'm interested to see as we taste through is, do we catch any characteristics of the actual coffee or does it become generic because of the way it's been extracted? Yeah, definitely. So, again, this first one was 10 to 1 vodka to mid-fine ground coffee, about a 20-hour infusion room temp. Cool. So, what are we getting on the nose, boys? I mean, my first note is smells kind of generic to me. Yeah, I'm not getting a whole lot of the character uh, of the coffee. It's covered up a little bit by that alcohol burn. Yeah, it's def it's definitely more vodka than it comes out, coffee. but it's subtle. Otherwise. I wonder yeah. if that's one of the things like with alcohol extraction. I know it extracts differently than water, Absolutely. and I've never looked up specifically what sorts of things it's getting and not getting. I mean, I could get super science geeky on this, and I'll try not to. I know water does some things with dissolving some of like the bean fiber a little better, mm. so I would expect that it would have less of like the large chain sugary kind of things in it um, and be a little less sweet. But this, I'm smelling this, I'm like, it doesn't really smell like it got some of the subtlety, some of the acidity, some of the um, what are commonly referred to, although incorrectly, as enzymatic um, qualities that are a little more like, you know, the florals in the lemon like I described it in the coffee. Right. So I'm not, I'm not smelling it. I, no. I mean, to me, this smells pretty chocolatey. It smells... Yeah, you know, comfortable for kind of that generic brown sugar, chocolate, like yep. deeper notes. Um, and again, this so room temp, so we're not doing any hot extraction on this, so that's where we're also getting that. But um, just like if you're if you're using a you know vodka in a vodka sauce, you know, extracting different things out of like tomato, you do pull different things out with with alcohol. The alcohol alcohol soluble is different than water soluble, so we are bringing different stuff out as a straight infusion. Well, let's taste it. 
I mean, it's perfectly pleasant. I get no off notes. I have to say, Chris, I have respect for you, but I was a little leery coming in. As well, you should be. I mean, yeah. oh, yeah, uh, yeah. side note: this Describe actually, the leery. <laughs> this was this was paper filtered. Okay. So anything that had grounds in it, there was a grounds infusion. I did paper filter it through a. Um, I think I did it through a Kalita filter. Okay. So not like a not, not like a Chemex, a Chemex filter, yeah, not a cloth, right? Yeah. But it was it, these were filtered through paper. So describe grinds going into paper into alcohol or no so it was already infused and i poured all of it into a filter gotcha. to drain out the liquid so i didn't want any fines in it so i did want to paper filter it yeah um yeah i mean this tastes there's no green pepper i have no it's very and chocolatey like that's very commendable this is and actually pretty damn tasty yeah, but doesn't is. taste of the coffee you described at all no. and the the sweetness like you said it's not syrupy no but it's, i yeah it's, it's sweet you could use this in a cocktail, yeah. But this would not replace your simple syrup. This would be sweet to start. It has like big amaro vibes for me, absolutely. Um, because there is sort of an effervescence on the end. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think of amaro as you know, as I know there are like two different classes of amaro, but I'm thinking of the ones that really have like a ton of like herbs and spices in them. And really do like an effervescent thing on your tongue as as you like swallow them, and this sure. I think is hitting that note. Yeah, um, and I think that's kind of a cool balance would make it like you said really a really great mm. mixer. Um, which obviously most I, I can't imagine you're trying to drink coffee liqueur straight. So yeah, I mean this does the thing for sure, and it is it is crisply bitter. I think if I were to make it again, I might pull it a little bit sooner because this one does have pretty crisp bitterness at the end. Um, which I could see people liking in the context of a cocktail, but you're right. As it's straight, I think the bitterness may be a little bit overwhelming for for some people, depending on your bitterness. Yeah, tolerance. of course. Yeah, I mean, and as as someone who tastes a lot of coffee, my bitterness tolerance is pretty high. So, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, so I would. Uh, you know, it's interesting you described as an amaro because I wouldn't have thought of drinking the straight either. But I could totally see you know a short glass of this coming before or after a meal. Oh, Very yeah. easy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You yeah. know, especially depending on the context of the meal, there might be like, you know, you could do a coffee rub on something and use this as part of a, you know, pairing. Yeah, that would be uh, really thing. interesting. Um, yeah. So um, let's talk about the next one up. So this is where we started getting into brewed coffee as the base. Sweet. So the second one was a equal parts strong flash chilled coffee and vodka. So... My process for what I'm calling flash chilled coffee in this case is um, would be the same ratio I would brew to go over ice, which would be instead of 16 to one, this would be, you know, uh, two thirds of that. So about 10 and, you know, 10 and a half, 10 and two thirds to one water. So uh, ground basically somewhat fine, um, poured through. And instead of pouring it over ice, I take my carafe and put it in an ice bath to chill it quick. So I didn't want it to degrade. I wanted to chill it quick, put the vodka in and keep it in the fridge right? to try and maintain as much as I could, assuming that the vodka would prevent more flavor degradation. Yeah. Right. At that point. So I tried to chill it fast, get it in the fridge and see if we could maintain some of those flavors. Um, so this one visually very I was say, super light. Very light in color compared to the. This first reminds one there. me a lot of the color of the Kenya when you brew it. Yeah, the other one was very dark. This one, like this room, like because that Kenya does come out pretty red uh, when I brew it at home. So yeah, so it does have a little bit of cloud to it, um, but that's I think because you know the flash chilling I did too. That'll bring out any oils that are in there that are left after filtering, which is should be pretty low, but right. Um, it did cloud just a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how this smells. I'm not getting specifically much on the nose again, but it's very different than the it's vodka. Way infusions. lighter. I was going to say this yeah. is, this smells like coffee. Yeah. You know, if you were to take like your old cup of room temperature coffee and just give it a sniff, like it's got some of that subtle notes to it that you're still getting, but there's none of that that alcohol that came off of the first one. So this, so to be, this is also um, way lower ABV. So this is equal parts vodka and um, water. 
essentially coffee. Right. So instead of being 80 proof like the first one, this is probably going to be around 40 proof. Okay. So this will be 20% versus 40% alcohol. This is what most people would think about as a coffee liqueur. Um, some of them do end up at that uh, 30 or 40%, 60 or 80 proof. Uh, really depends on the context of the manufacturer. This one is about uh, 40 proof, about 20%. Okay. I feel like one of the one of the characteristics of, of the aroma definitely reflects that, where it doesn't have as much of that burn. And it does, like, Aaron, as you were talking, it, it really hit me like you were saying, like your day-old coffee. It's almost like when I, like, walk out of my bedroom after I started the pot of coffee downstairs... And I like go back upstairs either, you know, like to get ready for the day. And then I, I hit the stairs and the first like whiff of like, oh, there's coffee downstairs kind of hits <laughs> yep. my nose. Like it's yeah. that really vague, like this, there's co- coffee is happening somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's coffee somewhere. Right. Um, and, and that'd be interesting too. If you were to serve this in like uh, Irish coffee glass or something. Oh yeah. You might mistake it for just brewed coffee. Yeah. Well, and I think the, so um, another thing uh, just to let everybody know. So this is um, from when I made these to when we're drinking them is about two weeks and change. So I finished these about two weeks, uh, you know, two and a half weeks ago. So I did that actually somewhat on purpose because if we did them the night before, I think it would be an unfair comparison. Uh, and this is how, if somebody made this, this would how this is how you'd be drinking it, not as something made the night before to order or batched for a cocktail program. If you're doing a cocktail program, you might make this every day. No. Yeah, yeah, conceivably. Um, but for what we're doing, I wanted to assume this was um, shelf stable, even though this has been fridged the whole time. Yeah, this coats the tongue incredibly well. Yeah, and I do feel like there is more flavor sensation, but again. It's a little vague. Like, it's not quite reaching, like, for the notes I'm used to in the Kenya. Yeah. But I I do feel like there's more happening on the palate. I think the dilution helps. I think it's, like, the first one was, like, almost bittersweet chocolate. Mm -hmm. This almost plays, like, milk chocolate. You know, maybe that light dark, you know, 50% dark where you get that sugary thing going on. Mm -hmm. This plays sweeter. It plays more bouncy, but I think you're right. I I think we've lost uh, the roast character, um, you know the the actual character of the origin. It's yeah, more subtle like. and less intense. There, you have to yeah look for it a little bit. It is very pleasant. This one, I think anybody would be happy just to drink on its own, and I think people would be satisfied with that and saying, "Hey, you know what? This tastes like coffee." It's a little it's a little too sweet for my liking, actually. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. Um, I find it pleasant, but again, not particularly. Um, Don't get me wrong; I'll drink this any day you serve it to me. But <laughs> well, I'm, I, to be honest, I, I'm actually pretty glad that um, at least the first two are drinkable. Yeah, like definitely. this. This was an experiment. This this is not based on any recipe I could find because I couldn't find anything that was based on hot brew coffee. So this was purely intuition to see if I could make it. Um, similar because I think all the other things were based on concentrates and other things. I wanted to make something that was ready to drink and not have to be diluted out. I feel like the last sip I got was like knocking on the door of something kind of minty. Yeah. And I wonder if, so sometimes I feel like super concentrated coffee has that quality where it's like, oh, is that almost messing with like the trigeminal effect and like getting into that? almost kind of minty especially like something really acidic yeah so i feel like i did get some of like the con- extra concentrated you know uh f- what you flash chilled yeah process in there uh or at least an echo of it in that just that note that i was like is that is it maybe a tad minty which i don't know if that's like the coffee playing with with the sweetener because the sweetener is floral or i want i think it also could be the um could be the influence of the alcohol you know, because it does have, it, this is a different kind of interaction because there was, you know, coffee in there. So when you, when you actually mix, um, when you mix spirit with water after it's already been diluted, things change. Like sure. the chains open up because after a while they'll settle in. 
Um, it's a weird thing. So if you if you're drinking, let's say, uh, you know, a higher proof uh, bourbon, and you add water to it, you can watch the spirit actually start to move. It starts yeah, to sure. circulate in the glass because it's actually unlocking chains that have kind of uh, locked together. Actually, heats it up a little bit. Sure, because these reactions start to happen, and the coffee and the coffee, the spirit will actually start to um, have some convection. Cool. In the glass, you'll see it move. The oils will move around, um, and yeah, that's this was this was a really interesting taste, and I'm sure they merged together at that time, and some interaction happened between the coffee and that. Yeah, definitely a cool effect. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's. Uh, I'm not disappointed with either of the first two for sure. No, um, no off flavors. Um, no green pepper. Pretty good. That's great. Um, now, this one, this is the one I'm intrigued to see how much it does okay. have. So, this is the uh, the last one. This was the cold brew infusion. So, this was, um, I didn't do a concentrate. I did a um, ready-to-drink cold brew infusion. So, this was 11 to 1, uh, water to coffee, 20-hour uh, in the fridge, uh, and then equal parts vodka and that ready to drink cold brew at what would be assumed to be roughly the same concentration, but I didn't try to vary the level of infusion. Uh, so this was 20 hours in the fridge. So usually what someone would call an overnight or a one day yeah, cold brew infusion. So I went generic. I didn't try to like, Oh, you know what? Maybe 12 hours is better than 20. I didn't check it every few hours. Yeah. Um, if I were to try to perfect these, I would realistically, I would be checking them every hour. Yeah, that's a variable you'd have to look into for sure. Yeah. So that's what this one is. This is a ready-to-drink cold brew concentration, um, and then same concentration of sweetness um, and merged together with the same amount of vodka. Okay. Now Can we this... just start with general thoughts about cold brew? Like, oh. what? how do y'all feel about Ooh. cold brew? Just so we know our biases going in. Yeah. This is a d- derisive, divisive topic. I... <clears throat> I was a, not a fan of cold brew for a long time. Um, nitro came along. It got me a little bit more warmed up to it. I probably drink my cold brew very different than other people. I uh, I brew it, you know, concentrate-wise, pretty strong. And I just drink that almost straight over ice without any dilution. Mm. Like, I'm looking for the straight punch. Uh, and one of the things I found is since, you know, we've talked about I drink my coffee over a long period of time. As that ice dilutes, I don't lose, it doesn't get watery. So I'm a big fan nowadays, but I'll still, <laughs> I have to laugh every time I go into a coffee shop. I'm like, uh, I'll take a vanilla latte or something. And, and over the summer, they're like, hot? I'm like, yeah, of course hot. Why would I get it cold? <laughs> um, no, it's interesting because yeah, like, I know once you batch it, you've really added to your convenience factor. Um, and I'm really bad at doing convenience, uh, because <laughs> I struggle with, I struggle with quality with convenience. Um, so, uh, as if I like, uh, when the guys are going in the freezer just to grab some ice, like I do have some ready to drink coffee in the freezer. I have some, uh, I have Cometeer in there, which I'll use as our like convenience. I'll either do, we'll use those or we'll buy, you know, ready to drink, um, ready to drink coffee in a can, like from Joe Bean or oh, somewhere yeah, else. Definitely. So like that's when we're, if we're not brewing at home, we'll do that instead of batching cold brew because I like those effects more. Um, my general take on cold brew is I have not liked it since the first time I tried it. Um, mostly because it does exactly what this smells like. Okay. Which is um, essentially it is, definitively taking away the vast majority of the time is taking away any character and turning into chocolate flavor. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, which always bugged me because I know how, how much work goes into making coffee really delicious. Right. And that always frustrated me as a fundamental thing. It's not inherently untasty and I've had better versions of it, but I vastly prefer the concentrated flash chilled coffee. Like, uh, you know, that uh, ugly duck does, they'll do a flash, a flash chilled one and uh, like the can style that Joe Bean does that flash chilled style. I vastly prefer. Sure. Joe Bean's shake and cold brew used to be one of my favorites. 
that was also one that uh, got me back into drinking cold cold coffee. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll still so. do that at home. I know it's and great. it's delicious. Yeah. Those aromatics yeah. that come yeah. off of that is just fun. Yeah. And it's yeah, and it's just a fun fun way to make coffee in general. Yeah, it always surprises people when you take out the shakers. <laughs> yeah, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what what about you, Wade? What's your what's your cold brew? Uh, I mean, I've I've I more or less stumbled upon a cold brew process I really loved right before Fifth Frame opened, and tried to replicate it on mass to varying degrees of success. Um, I had it pretty much down before I left. Um, but in general, I think cold brew has a lot more potential than people either have time for because like I was literally doing like 12 hour overnights to oh. make this cold brew, right? Like, um, I had plenty of other work to do, so that was fine at the time. Um, but I generally think we're not really tapping into the potential here. Um, I, I've, talked to Ben at Joe Bean about like some of what makes their cold brew unique and it matches some of what I've found. So like I, I do feel like the people who have the time and the energy and, and are doing the reading and getting into the theory, like have some good directions. I just don't know if it's scalable. Yeah. Cause I, I think what, I think what you're kind of intimating is to do it right is not simple. And that's kind of the allure to most people is yes. the simplicity of cold brew, which is uh, pour coffee into bucket, pour water into exactly. bucket, yeah. Let it drain sit. bucket. <laughs> yeah, that's all fine. That's all well and good. And like, like you said, like there are better and worse examples for sure. Um, and I, I should say, I think one of the keys to good cold brew is blending. Um, yeah. Because and and the case in point that I would point everyone to is locals only. I do a blend, a proprietary blend for them, and. Every time I get the cold brew, it's that blend, and I'm like, this is like such a perfect cold brew blend. Huh. Like I, I really, I really get into it. Um, so I don't know if single origins really made. Like I think you have to round out a flavor profile really well. Yeah. To do cold brew, um, it's, it's basically also, yeah, it's just more thought. It's more thought. It's more effort, and I think that lends to a lot of things. Though, if you put more thought and more effort into something, um something that appears simple, you'll get a better result. Well, and that puts a big spin on cold brew because you would assume as a layperson that cold brew is just going to taste like the coffee you made, right? And so if you like it hot, it's probably going to taste good cold. Right. <laughs> but, you know, making coffee for cold brew makes it its own product. It's not just a, an alternative to, you know, your standard there, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, let's smell yeah. and let's taste. So this does smell like cold brew. It smells to like me. cold brew. Yep. <laughs> um, which again, this is the indicator of cold brew, which is that kind of, um, you know, chocolatey smell. Although to be, I actually kind of get some brightness to the chocolate. I'm actually getting like some raisin notes. Um, you know, I'm getting like almost like a chocolate raisin bar kind of things. Um, it's it's like there's some some bounciness to it, almost like an acidity to the nose. I know you can't smell acidity, but you know what I mean? I'm well, smelling no, I, fruitiness. Yeah, you're smelling the things you associate with acidity. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. I'm smelling fruitiness in actually say, a way I haven't smelled in any of the others. Possibly a little bit of orange coming out there. Yeah. The smell is very different. It's actually concentrated very weirdly. It's actually a little punchier, and I'm actually getting more alcohol burn than I got in the straight vodka. I was, I was gonna really, say, yeah, I'm not getting much of that at all. I would say it's sitting somewhere in between the two for me. Alcohol wise, it's just slightly on the back end. I would think of it as much close for for what I'm getting. I would think of it as much closer to the second second one. So that's that's interesting that you guys are experiencing that way. But it's. Mm. So, so the cold brew question though is, what about chicory in your cold brew? Oh, the, I'm I'm wondering if I mixed mine up. Uh oh, rut row. <laughs> well, you guys are tasting the right one here at the very least. Pour, pour another six glasses. For it. <laughs> we'll get here the we real. We'll get the real review again. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm I'm actually checking against the light. Is this is the challenge if you don't label things, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and you're tired at the end of the day, 
um, you're going to get a different result, it turns out. It's Yuck. like chewy. It's so caramely. Yeah. Yeah, it really it's is. so delicious. This so, is pretty damn tasty. Yeah, this is the one I think. This would be dangerous because if you poured a glass of this and threw something else in there, it'd go down real fast. Yeah, this is your four loco right here. This is the- <laughs> yeah. Can we get can we get a cherry rush version? You know, <laughs> actually, you know, I think that would actually be really good too. So because we're not getting a lot of specific character now, to be this one is the most interesting, but I'm not sure it would matter as much what the coffee was. It matters that it was good, probably. Yeah, definitely, definitely, oh, but for it sure. doesn't matter specifically what it was because the overall flavor on that is pretty tasty. But I think what could be really fun is you could infuse fruit in that after it's done. Like put some fresh cherries in there. Yeah, like a sangria, like a coffee liqueur sangria kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking about, because I would bought some, if they tasted better to me, I would have done it. I had bought some currants. Okay. okay. Um, but if I, I didn't With love. With Kenyan coffee, makes perfect sense. That would have yeah. been fun. But the problem is I didn't love the taste of the currants. They sure. weren't as vibrant. And if you put something that doesn't taste great into something else, that thing's not going to taste great. Oh, yeah, Shocker. no doubt. So. Um, right? Because I've, I've done a couple fruit infusions into spirits, uh, fresh fruit. Um, so I've done pineapple, I've done cherries, and I've done blackberries into different spirits. And those are delicious. Um, but you really, like, I put, a, I put p- fresh pineapple into Smith & Cross Jamaican rum, and that stuff is dangerous. It's probably 105, 110 proof. And it just tastes like just a whole bunch of nothing. Um, so I guess it seems like our favorite is pretty consistently the cold brew, which I'm really surprised about. That's kind of shocking. Um, I, I do wonder if we'd benefit from some post blending, though. Like yeah. taking something this concentrated that had some definite like effervescent aromatics on the back mm. and putting it with something this chewy and sweet and smooth. Yeah. And really seeing where we could balance those two things out. Yeah, it's. I think that would be that would be fun. Um, and like I said earlier, if if I were to do this again, I would probably do, you know, a second experiment. I would do brewed coffee either the same day or one day. You know, of having it together. I mean, if you did it the same day, I bet that's the one that would really be the winner. Right. But the level of effort, again, you'd have to make very small batches or have a lot of volume going out the same day. I think that would definitively be the best product, but it's unsustainable if you made 500 mil of it. Uh, you're probably not going through 500 mil unless you have a high-volume cocktail bar. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, um, this is, home-wise, this is something you make for an event. Like, yeah. you're having people over. Like a podcast. <laughs> Ta-da. Yeah. So now I have uh, three different coffee liqueurs in my fridge. Uh, for um, however long I was going to say, last. only for a short, limited time. Yeah. No, I think we're going to find some interesting ways to use them in cocktails, and maybe I'll do that as a short segment on one of the upcoming episodes, just saying, hey, I've tried this in multiple different facets. Um, but, yeah, th- this, was a really, this was a really fun experiment, and it- it's nice to stretch those that side of my personality I don't do a lot of cooking experiments, but my mentality is in experimentation. And Definitely. I, I look, look forward stuff. to hearing about some of that stuff or even maybe trying some of the cocktails. Because yes. just, just like spitballing, like like the first one, like I said, because it was it had a little more of an Amaro thing going on, I'm like, throw it in like just a dank gin. Oh like, yeah. That would that could get really interesting. And then that last one, because it's so smooth, I'm like, get like Get just like a, what's a really light scotch? Like a, like, is it Dalwini that I'm thinking of? Yeah, that's so. a little on the lower uh, side. Yeah, Balvany. Balvany, that's so, the one. So, you know, a, a nice, uh, it, it's not to say, or a Glenmorangie, which edge, edges towards that orangey sweet. Um, you know, that 80 proof scotch. Again, this these are single malts, but they are, they're approachable. These are not the more intense. Like, we're not going to throw this bag. into LaFroy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I would be actually really intrigued to taste this with, you know, put a little 
like put some orange liqueur or one of my fruit infused spirits in there yeah. or go yeah. with rum. But th- it does get my creative juices flowing when it comes to, you know, trying this out and seeing how it goes in, uh, into a cocktail or with yeah. citrus. And that's one of the fun things. I mean, like coffee is essentially one ingredient. Yeah. Right. Like or two ingredients. If you count the water, it's like two ingredients. You can filter it or not. Like you can filter it or French press it. Uh, if you, you know, get really creative, then you get to espresso, right? Like, so I think one of the things that experiments like this and then like trying things with cocktails, like gives us is a chance to really play and like pull out different aspects of the coffee that we don't, you know, usually think about. It's like, if we're brewing coffee at home, it's just water and coffee. We're not like, what happens if I filter this through orange slices? <laughs> you know, like people have done that, I was but gonna like say, some people what, do that. <laughs> yeah. Like what? I don't know. This is an excuse to do that more yeah, and to sure. think it through a little more and then, you know, open up like all these wonderful bottles we see around us and yeah. try some different things. So very oh. cool. What, uh, what would happen if you uh, did something with a Sambuca? Oh yeah. Yeah. And going in, you could go, you could amplify the bitterness and go in that direction. And I'd almost think about, so, you know, pivoting from that, like using this as part of a, you know, coffee Negroni kind of thing. That's exactly. I, that's I was going to say, whatever we're all reason, waiting to say that. Campari <laughs> yep. Like, yeah. Yep. So, so you know, you go, love that. you go down Campari, you go with that in a nice gin, or you go in a ride direction and you go with, you know, you go with a Boulevardier, uh, oh, coffee yeah. Boulevardier. Okay. That's, I think that's the big win. Not going to lie. When I first started getting in cocktails, I was like my favorite. Yeah. And I had an opportunity to do uh, a collaboration with Cure. And I was like, if we can make a coffee for Boulevardier, like that would be the absolute thing. And like we did this dinner and that was the one drink that was like the mind. It was like, oh my gosh, this is the drink. Like this is the one you can't miss this. Like loved it. So like you say that and I'm like, yeah, I'd be down. I gotta, I gotta chase that drink the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm Matt Knotts. And I'm Chris Lindstrom, and we are the co-founders of the Lunchador Podcast Network, your home for amazing and wide-ranging podcasts in Rochester. With shows like Anomaly Presents, Behind the Glass, the Level Up Coffee Podcast, Punches and Popcorn, Just Can't Not, and of course, Food About Town, we celebrate the people, places, and things that make Rochester a fantastic place to live. We have more shows joining the network soon, and offer remote and in-person recordings and video too. We're excited to bring distinct and diverse voices together on one network. Follow Lunchador on social media to catch new episodes as soon as they release and stay tuned for exciting news about new shows and how to support them. Lunchador, celebrating Rochester's creativity through the magic of podcasting. So, so Wade's going to talk for a second. I'm going to grab one off the shelf to try. Just We we just tasted three. I'm going to grab an off the shelf Okay. Uh, from a producer. We'll shout out the producer because I, I do like what they do. Um, so we're, we're going to finish out in a few minutes, but I'm going to bring that over. Okay, so uh, we're going back to cold brew for a second. Uh-oh. Because I want to tell the story of one of the most traumatic things that ever happened to me at a coffee competition <laughs> because it just, it, it like... Sometimes you go to these competitions and it feels like the head judges are just trying to let certain competitors win or trying to let certain competitors get away with things they wouldn't let other competitors get away with. So like with your signature drinks, this was, this was a long time ago and the rules have changed quite a bit, but with signature drinks back then you were supposed to explain everything. And then it was how well it matched your explanation, right? Like that was kind of how you were supposed to create. So you were supposed to essentially train your judges how to taste your drink And then they taste it, and it's like, did it work? Did it do what you said it would do? This person made this drink, and it was a cold espresso drink, and it was supposed to, I think, mimic some kind of cocktail, whatever. And they didn't really say anything about, like, okay, the espresso cold does this or that or the other. So when I'm judging, and we're at our judging panel, and I'm talking to the other judges, we're calibrating, I'm like, yeah, I just don't understand why this drink was cold. Like, what what did that do for the drink? And the judge, head judge, literally looks at me and goes, well, that doesn't matter because, like, if he made it hot, would you wonder why it was hot? And I'm like, 
No, I wouldn't, because it's espresso, and it's hot. <laughs> like, espresso is hot. That's why you would make a hot espresso drink. Like, it's I was made so with steam. pissed. I was just like, dude, you know what I'm getting at. Like, like, there must be a specific change in the flavor of the espresso. Or they could have at least said, like, most espresso cold does this, but I like this coffee. Because there were so many ways they could have done this. Or- and this head judge wanted to make an excuse for them not doing it. And I was like, okay. Or my favorite espresso drinks are cold. <laughs> sure. And after that, like, I stopped sensory judging. I was done sensory judging. I was only a tech judge after that because, like, I can look at your technique and I can judge that by standards. But when someone says to me, why should espresso be hot? I'm like, dude, it's literally, like, coming off of, I don't know, a boiler? Like, come or on. Or two boilers? Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I kind of want to finish out with a commercial product and one that I bought specifically because, generally speaking, this is what most people want in their coffee liqueurs. Okay, um, I can see that off the nose. So, and that's not in a bad way. I, I say that is it's not made for me, but I guess say for what it is, it's done well. And this is a version of what most people want done in a way that's not, it's not uh you know, lowest common denominator. Is this like a hazelnut sweetener? No, this is actually just straight. There's vanilla and coffee and okay. sweetener. That's it. Okay. So this vanilla is, makes some sense. But. Right. This is done pretty respectfully. So this is from Springbrook, Springbrook Distillery, um, which is uh, right in Lake George. Um, okay. So it's, I think, technically, let me see where it is. Technically, Queensbury, New York, but right around the Lake George area. Got it. Uh, so they're a small distillery. Uh, I know they're working on expanding. Uh, they do a lot of different uh, different spirits in-house from, you know, vodka and gin to uh, they're doing whiskeys. Uh, they're still doing some sourcing. I think they've mostly transitioned away from that. They have a couple. They did some, um, you know, citrus uh, limoncello and orange cello that are both very good. They're actually bringing fresh fruit and doing it the right way. Great. So these are, it's a very, uh, very good distillery. This is their cowboy coffee. So this is using, and they actually say where they're sourcing their coffee from. That's the other reason I bought it, is because they actually say where they bought it from. All right. Most places don't. Huge so this is, from, this is from Crew Coffee, which I think is out of Albany region. Um, and I'd say, generally speaking, this does edge towards a solid medium roast or a little darker. But with the, with the vanilla and the level of sweetness, and this is about, uh, it's about 60 proof, so 30%. Um, this is what I think most people want out of a coffee liqueur, but one I'm not sad that I have on my shelf. Okay, for sure. Great. Good middle ground. Yeah. And uh, I guess, hey, you know, with the vanilla, it's pretty tasty. Yeah, this is, I haven't had this one, and I've had my fair share. You know, my my early drinking days were raised on the espresso martini, so I've got an affinity for coffee liqueurs. This is another one where I think there's, you know, we can taste maybe a bare amount of that green pepper taste in there. Just a smidge, yeah. But it's not dominating it. Certainly Like, not. I've had plenty that are just like, this is, like, when I'm, when I'm doing judging competitions and a coffee liqueur comes up and it's just straight green pepper, I'm like, this is a fail. This is a fault. And I, I go as far as to say in spirit judging, I think that's a fault in the product. It's not a fault in the distilling, but it's a fault in what you made. And... I consider that a fault as it being that green pepper thing. I, I think you failed at making a coffee liqueur. Yeah. I mean, that's my we've, perspective. We've said it so many times, like, like you're starting to see more of those kind of tasting notes crop up on people's products. And it's like, I would agree with you. That is exactly right. According to my training, uh, I could explain why I think that from, uh, a growing, even like a coffee growing perspective, you know, like you think of like Cab Francs in this region having the same issue. It's probably like, you know, how you're shading your your trees and things like that. Like I could go really deep into this. Yeah, people are starting to like it, so I'm just gonna be wrong. Like <laughs> I don't like like I don't know. Like either I can change or be wrong. Like, uh, but uh, yeah, I would agree with you. Like, there's only a smidge of it here, and the the. The more of it there is in a coffee product, the less I like that product for sure. Yeah. And I, I think this strikes a really good balance in, you know, they're using coffee, they're sourcing it from an actual roastery, they're labeling the roastery, they're clear about what they do. You know what? 
and and they actually distilled their own spirit for it. They didn't buy GNS, uh, grain neutral spirit. Most places that are doing high volume of this stuff, they don't make their own, um, uh, you know, vodka for yeah, they it. They just buy some ethanol. That's interesting. They buy <laughs> so they buy GNS because after you distill it to the level that they're doing, there really is zero characteristic. Um, so people just buy truckloads of GNS. Huh. Um, and again, I'm not saying that's necessarily a negative, but the fact that they're still distilling their own, and they're a small distillery, um, you know, plenty of distilleries buy GNS for their vodka. But that's or for to their like other things we said with cold brew too. Like show some interest. Yeah, you know, like take the time, like and put I think, the work in. I think the wheat's the wheat based neutral spirit in here actually does give it some character. I, I think this is pretty good. Well, and that brings something about, you know, Chris, when we first hung out for the first time and we talked about whiskey and I brought that bottle of a uh, proper 12. Oh yeah. And uh, you looked at, it, you're like, I know where this was made. That was the <laughs> first time I had ever <laughs> even had a preconceived notion that a mass amount of different marketed liquors would all be coming from the same spot. Oh yeah. You know? And it's conceivable that like the same thing's happening. You know, they're all buying the same coffee out there. They're all buying the, that GNS stuff. You're getting vaguely the same product. I mean, you could go so far as to call this artisanal if you wanted. Yeah. This this is a product that somebody made the decision to make. They made it the way they wanted to make it. And I think with the decisions they made, they've made a product that with what's available on the market, um, I strongly recommend people buy Cowboy Coffee from Springbrook Distillery. Um, which actually, if you go to the farmers markets around Rochester, uh, they show up at the farmers markets. Oh, still. very cool, cool. So you can go to the public market and taste it, and taste the rest of their line, and buy it at retail at the public market, which is that really awesome. We really need to get them to do a line of like Rochester coffees with this stuff. We do have like connections. We, we've got a few. We've got yeah. a few great roasters. Actually, that, that could be that could be really fun. Well, I, I happen to know some local distillers as well. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So I think uh think we might have some conversations to have. That would be the funniest tasting because I think that, you know, as our own tasting has shown, you can only draw out so much subtlety. Yeah. But uh fun nonetheless. For Absolutely. Sure, for sure. Hmm. Well, guys, and Black this, Button's got a nice new facility to show. Yeah, they off, do. Right? <laughs> I'm sure they've got some small batch stuff we can figure out. That'd so be really funny. Um, yeah this this was a blast. I'm really glad you guys were up for the experiment. Yeah, thank and you so much. This is super cool. And thanks, thanks for, for letting me do it. For this, this was pleasant nonetheless for yeah, everything. This was so much fun. Um, yeah, and uh, hopefully we will get to do more experiments as we go. This Heck is yeah. this is a fun addition to the rest of the oeuvre of Level Up. Right. Yeah, and we're not like talking about deep political or or philosophical or world changing issues we just you know like this is i think what draws most people into coffee right just yeah. tasting it and seeing what it's all about and and the different versatilities of it and so very cool very cool example and uh yeah i really enjoyed this i would say the cowboy coffee was most similar to the first one yeah yep, absolutely um, with with the addition of vanilla obviously uh and yeah this is it's interesting it was very interesting yeah yeah hey, i'm glad you guys liked it um I'm going to throw my last plug in for Nominate Meals for upcoming events. Uh, go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event. Uh, meal for two for $40. We have pickups around Rochester and Buffalo, three a month in Rochester, one in Buffalo. If you go to our website, you'll see all of our locations. Work with small minority-owned restaurants around town. Do it equitably where everybody makes good money. And, uh, you know, we're really happy to work with so many amazing places around town, including Black Button Distilling at our first event coming up. And, uh, yeah, we're uh, always trying new things and hopefully we'll be able to do some more uh, coffee-related stuff in the future and maybe do some tastings and try some different stuff out at one of our uh, one of our events. So, yeah, this is uh, this is the fun stuff. And also stay tuned to uh, Lunchador Podcast Network. Follow Lunchador Pod on Instagram for news about our network as it's growing. We'll have some official announcements coming soon. Uh, this is uh, really exciting to have uh, people like Wade and Aaron uh, as part of what we're doing and growing a community of people who are doing cool stuff together. It's uh, really exciting stuff. Yeah, fantastic. I am getting really excited about Lunchador, and I'm listening to all the different podcasts that are coming together, and I'm like, this is really cool to be part of. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to do my read, too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks to producer and coffee liqueur aficionado Chris Lindstrom. <laughs> 
and Food About Town Studios. Special thanks to our sponsor, Nominate Meals. If you like the show, you can find us on Substack or Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends to listen. Thanks to my co-host, Aaron Pascucci. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at levelup.wny. Please reach out with any questions or requests for future episodes. DM us and someone will read it. Enjoy your coffee.